Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM 104. Well, then dream about being in the game. So my dreams get messed up with the, the game. Oh, weird. It's like binge watching. Remember, like binge watching Breaking Bad, and then you're dreaming about Breaking Bad. Do you ever dream about the TV show you've been watching? Yeah. Same thing with the game, and you can't sleep properly because your mind is wired. Thirty-eight hours straight. I'm like, how could you do that? A day and a half, almost two days. Because I find, days straight. I don't know if it's because I've bad eyesight. Anyway, if I look at a screen for too long, I get sleepy. So would you not be the same if you're playing a video game? Yeah, terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. I say that happens all the time. Yeah. Um, also as well, sorry, 16 hours in the City West Hotel, bar work, 25 minute break in total. Oh, and the biggest tip I got was 500 quid for a 21st to keep the bar Jesus, open. Jesus, that's a good amount of money, isn't it? Stay open then for a few pound, won't you? Yeah. Uh, is there any other ones? Oh, someone mentioned about army units doing uh, 24 hours. Uh, 24 hour shift Wayne social worker said we were in a residential unit we got a couple of hours sleep each night but couldn't leave the heating went on the first night and the electricity went on the third nightmare and oh that was god his 78 hour shift oh dear it's a bit bad now. yeah no heating that would kill me now I know freezing cold Thank you for those anyway. Um, we all got to look at the, look at the time, minute past ten. Uh, we must move on. We're going to be playing a little game of Poker Face. If you've never heard of that before, we bring on a guest. They tell you three stories about themselves and you have to see how good at, how good are you at detecting when someone is spoofing to you, basically. Because out of those three stories, two of them are true and one is an outright lie. One of them is absolute BS. One of them did not happen. Joining us this evening is Irish singer and songwriter Andy Dempsey. He'll be on the second. He'll tell you those three things about himself and you have to figure out what one he's lying about. Maybe it's the words he's using. Maybe it's the sound of his voice. Maybe it's how he's delivering it to you. But whatever one you don't feel right about, then you let us know which one you think is the lie. That's on the way next and music from Little Nas with uh, Montero. That's next here on F1. You're listening to the Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM 104. The first semi final. We I never think. do well. I know. We, don't, we used to own it. Yeah. We used to every single year banging it out of the park. Who was it? Dana won for a few years. Who else won? There was some girl in a white dress who won. I remember her from being a kid. Yeah, we were proper good back in the day. Oh, we were like, we have we still won it the most amount of times out of any country? I think we have. Or maybe the Swedes have. Well, it's definitely up there. We're, we're definitely, definitely up there. Up there. Eight or nine, the, ten times? Yeah, yeah. We let ourselves go, though. Was it John, Did Johnny Logan win? And then Johnny Logan has won, and he, I think he wrote one of the songs for Dana, did he? Something like that. 
some mad stuff. I just I wasn't that invested now, but I know we did well. <laughs> no, I just remember watching some Johnny Logan documentary recently and realizing how much of a musical legend that man was. I know he is, but I didn't realize he wrote a lot of the songs and stuff. How did we go from Dana, Johnny Logan, to bloody Dustin the Dirty? Hey. I love Dustin. He's a great guy, but not fit for. I just think the heads, Eurovision. the heads in RT are looking at their accounts, going, "There's not a chance we can afford this, lads." Well, why don't we on? just bow out then and go? Do you know what we're done? We're See grand. Later. Yeah, yeah. We don't need this. We're all right, lads. Thanks very much. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, that's uh, this evening. I don't know if you care, but that's the news tonight. We will not be taking part in the Eurovision final this weekend. Apparently, Belgium were the ninth country. The Ukraine were the tenth country that got through. And uh, Leslie Roy, who was representing this lovely island, unfortunately did not make it through to the final. But sure, look, we'll move on. We'll rebuild. And we'll hopefully get back to normal soon rather than later. Maybe we needed Andy Dempsey. I know, maybe so. Andy, how are things? How are you doing? Listen, How's it going? Thanks for having me. Sorry for bringing you on to such depressing news. Uh, <laughs> I know, it's, oh, that's so sad. Ah, well, look, next time, hopefully. Yeah, I don't know. You don't it, have to be sad. We know it's a load of BS. Hey, well, a lot of people love the Eurovision. No, they don't. They love it. Andy, are you pro or anti-Eurovision? Be honest now. I'm, uh, what's the diplomatic answer here? I'm very pro and uh, pro anti Eurovision. So, <laughs> so, I don't know. I haven't made my mind Jesus, up. Jesus, Andy, what um, a, you should be a politician. That's the best political answer uh, we've ever had here on the show. Play both sides of the fence. You see, nobody can criticize. I am pro the anti side. What? <laughs> <laughs> and cut to ad break. Happy that days. Sounds very like uh, our health minister. That's oh, what he'd say, isn't it? Oh yeah, he'd be on a middle of a trampoline, going, "I'm I'm up and down more than I'm all <laughs> over the shop." Uh, listen, Andy, thanks a million for popping on. Obviously, for people who who don't know about you yet, you've been how long making and releasing music God I've been doing it for years and years under very you know with various different groups and bands and stuff but I, I kind of started out as a solo artist just as kind of of course his timing would have it just as the <laughs> pandemic hit um, <laughs> yeah. I've been planning on doing it anyway and I've been flat out actually gigging with the live music and I kind of much to my much to my dismay, dismay I kind of was cursing it because I was so busy in, in 2019 and then I was like oh, okay I wish I could do a bit more creative stuff and then the pandemic hit. And then I had I had all this kind of recording gear bought and, and all this stuff and yeah. then loads of free time and no gigs. So I kind of I only had one choice, which was really to just to knuckle down and start writing my own music, yeah. Do you find that it's easier to write in the middle of a pandemic or were you stuck for, for content? It's a funny one. Like I was there probably in probably in one of, if not the toughest time times of my life, just in terms of, you know, having lost all my work and and all that kind of stuff. It was a really tough spot. And yes, I found myself writing really up, uplifting music. So I don't know if that was like my subconscious trying to coach me through. Or, <laughs> Cheer up, Andy. <laughs> imagine something better. I don't know what it was. But, um, <laughs> yeah. It's a weird one. Like, so the single I just released is like, it's super, super uplifting. Or at least that's what I, what I think. I hope people get, you know, a, an uplift out of it. Um, yeah, so and here, here's reflect. a quick clip of it, right? Like, hang on, did you write this in a in a major key? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Ah, come on now, what are you doing? It's the worst <laughs> pandemic ever. We need something sad and miserable. Do you know what you need to do? Rewrite that in a minor key and just in make sure key, you yeah. depress everyone. And, here, listen, uh, we'll get on and we'll play a little bit of a sad piano as well, I think, which could work. <laughs> just uh, a bit of this, maybe, and... 
then you can sing over his and go, woo. No, right. turn back on the nice music. Yeah, 2021 pandemic. The only good thing is, right, Andy, if, sorry about that. if Andy <laughs> ever releases really sad music, you know, he's actually really, really happy. Oh, yeah, true, actually. There Andy. you go. You see, again, I'm playing both sides of the fence. I'm seeing people deaf <laughs> and I'm being very diplomatic and confusing in my message. Uh I love it. I love it. So um, is there any sign of kind of gigs coming back? Because I saw, well, who did I see? Uh, Rag and Bone Man are still in for the end of the year there is talk of Electric Picnic maybe happening there's someone who has yeah. announced a gig there recently fairly famous person who's gigging over here I can't remember anyway mm. have you looked into touring or booking any dates in? Yeah I've actually um, I, I've gotten well see and nothing with nothing yet with like actual crowds I have some live yeah. streaming stuff coming up one with LMFM coming up um, and and, and another few kind of but again just, just live streaming stuff in terms of uh, to an actual crowd I don't I don't know yet um, I don't know I don't yet when, when that's on the horizon anyway yeah. um, definitely the minute it comes back because I'm like I'm a live musician kind of born and bred so yeah, yeah. the second that comes back I'm going to be definitely I mean, I mean, nothing's going to replace the euphoria you feel from a Zoom gig, but who knows? I know. <laughs> oh my God, focus on my veins. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, soon. So listen, you know what the crack is? You come on for an old game of uh, Poker Face where you tell us three things about yourself. Two of them are true, one of them is not true. Um, yeah. Are you good to go with the first one this evening now? I am. I am indeed. Right, so okay. listen, uh, before you fire away, uh, if yeah. you're listening and you think you know which one Andy is lying about this evening, just send in one, two or three to 87 to our WhatsApp for free. And if you get it right, we'll put you in the draw and uh, you might get yourself a beautiful demotivational beer mat because they're the budget we're working here uh, on Room 104. Anyway, give us the first one tonight, Andy. Okay, cool. So the first one is I actually supported, I opened for Dermot Kennedy back in the day before he was famous. Okay, I've made a note of that. Right. Okay, number two. Number two, very topical. This one, Johnny Logan taught me how to tie my shoelaces. Wow. Okay, an odd one. Did he? You say wow, but yeah, true. And then the third one is in now. See if people know this. In this, in in my new music video, there's a scene where I get run over by a car. Now I actually did that stunt for real. I was I was actually run over by a car. I didn't fake it. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um. One of these stories is definitely a lie. One of these is definitely a lie. Which means the two of them are true. Dermot Kennedy, Johnny Logan being run over by a car. The stakes are high. They've never been higher. Really. Wow. These are good stories. They're not bad. Don't tell us anything just yet, Andy. But I am going to say that number. Number three has to be the lie. There's no way you got run over by a car. Well, it's too dangerous, too risky. Well, I, that's so ridiculous that I think it is true. Do you and it was probably door, yeah. slow motion type thing, and you know, made look oh, yeah, worse than it was. Just slowing it down and doing all that stuff. So maybe yeah, I could have done it. I could have done it in, in a safe way. You see, yeah, protecting. No. I don't think so. I think it's very dangerous. <laughs> Whoever suggested that. Uh, listen, Andy, we want to run you over with the car, but it'll be safe. Don't yeah, worry about don't it. Don't worry. Like, mm, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay, if you're listening and you think you know which one is not sitting right, which you're listening at for the story that you do not believe is true, is it the first one about opening for Dermot Kennedy back in the day? Is it the second one about Johnny Logan teaching him to tie his shoelaces? Or is it the third one in his latest uh, music video for the single Alive? Is it he was actually run over by the car? 
in that scene, in that music video where that um, happens. Right. One, two or three to 87 Saoirse, you want to lock in? I'm going to lock in number three. Okay. Locking in number three. Again, yeah. uh, don't say anything just yet. Andy, I'm going to go with... Like, part of me wants to say number two. I kind of half believe number three. Maybe I'm wrong. Open it for Dermot Kennedy. Yeah. Dermot Kennedy would have gigged Before a lot. Before he was famous, yeah. yeah. You know. Johnny Logan with the shoelaces is a bit mad and insane and ridiculous. I think he might have been able to do the run you over. With the, hmm, I don't know. I know, it's a tough one. Tough one, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to go with, I'll say number two. Right. Cormac's going to go with number two. Okay, so, final answer. Uh, that's my final answer. Again, don't say anything just yet. Don't say anything okay. just yet. There you go, two. And we've got three. But uh, again, if you're listening, let us know what you think Andy is making up this evening. Are you all right to hang on the line for about two minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lovely. Hang on there, right? Get some texts in. We'll see if we can pry some more information from him. Is it opening for Dermot Kennedy? Is it a Johnny Logan teaching him how to tie his shoelaces? Or is it being run over by a car in his latest video? And he actually did that stunt for real. Let us know. Drop us on a WhatsApp. Little Nass Montero. It's F104. You're listening to the Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalong. FM 104. Andy, are you there? Uh, see if you can get Andy back there anyway. The three stories that he had for us this evening were the first one that he opened for Dermot Kennedy back in the day. The second story is that somehow, strangely, Johnny Logan taught him, him how to tie his shoelaces, which is weird. All kind of strange. Yeah. One, if that did happen, that's weird. But two, mm. if that didn't happen, why would you come up with something like that? Anyway, we'll get a bit more information in a second. The third story in his latest music video, which has just been released, it's called Alive. There's a scene in it where he's run over by a car. And he claims that that actually did happen. So he claims that in the movie, or in the music video, that he was run over by the car. I imagine, obviously, done in a safe way, because he's talking to us <laughs> this evening. Which one of those do you not think is true? Uh, which one is the lie? Oh eight seven six seven nine seven one zero four. Andy, you've split audiences all over the shop. There's split audiences. You know what I mean? Like people are kind of saying one, people are saying two, people are saying good, three. You haven't. Um, That's what I like. I, yeah. I, I cherish the confusion. I'm like a villain here, tackling <laughs> yeah. away to myself. <sighs> I'm sticking with mine. I'm sticking with story number three. There's no way I think you've been run over by a car. Yeah, look at this. Run over by the car is the lie that comes in from uh, Hugh. Let me see. Jared's on the line. What's the story, sir? How are things? Ah, not too bad. How are you, Cormac? Yeah, not too, not too, too bad. Can't complain. Uh, up to and fun this evening? I'm sitting outside Dumb John waiting on the daughter to pick her up for work. <laughs> oh, you're a nice dad. Uh, the driver. Yeah, my dad would never do that now. You're in the uh, you're in the driver phase of her. Is she working retail, obviously? She worked in retail only started last week. So. Oh, no way. Was this her first job? Uh, no, she worked Christmas jobs before and already, but... The college is finished well. The online college is finished well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Job done. And how, how much rent are you charging her? How much rent are you oh, charging her? We have to find out how much she gets in that first way. <laughs> oh, yeah, she hasn't got that yet. Don't be me now, dear God, the poor girl. You'd be like, you know what? We'll just take 10%, but it's 10% of your gross. Sorry, and there's no tax deductions on that. Um, listen to the sound Father Jared here. What um, Father Jared makes you sound like a priest? You're not a priest. <laughs> Definitely not a priest. <laughs> You'd be a strange old priest now if you had a daughter going to work in Dundrum. Anyway, <laughs> which story do you not think is uh, is true? Which one I, do you think is a lie? I think it's Dermot Kennedy. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah, yeah just the funny because of the topical thing you said about Johnny Logan and you was mentioning it earlier and 
I don't know, the car crash sounds believable, believe it or not. <laughs> God, no, I would have said. So you think that story number one is the fake story? Number one is the fake story, I think. Right, okay. Okay, hang on there if you can for a See, for now I'm wondering, did he just go with the Johnny Logan story because we had mentioned it? Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, that's what I went with. Mm. I still think, <laughs> you know, story number three is the fake story, but that's why I would wonder about number two because Johnny Logan's a random one isn't it mm, yeah why would he be teaching is there family connections there somewhere yeah there must be who yeah. knows what's going on mm. <laughs> um, did you do um, Andy uh, did you do Irish dancing back in the day no I didn't, I didn't. you're missing okay. out I did, oh, did you? <laughs> I think so yeah great crack <sighs> okay okay well here's what we'll do I'm going to stick with this Johnny Logan story being BS so you're going to stick with the the car car story being mm. BS I am um, and Jared is going with Sorry, number Jared's one. Sorry, Jared's going to go. You, you want to stick with that one, Jared, do you? I'll stick with number one, yeah. Oh, okay, hang on there. Tell you what, Andy, uh, two of the stories are obviously true and they did happen. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll reveal one of those now. So tell us one of the stories that is 100% true and did actually happen. One of the stories that is 100% true and did happen is I have a childhood memory of being in a pub um, and my dad was believe it or not, on the TV in the 80s. He, he played a character called Forty Coats. Anyway, he would have been knocking around to, uh, a few famous heads, Johnny Logan being one of them, and I have a memory of walking up to Damn it. with my, with my sh- uh, sh- shoelaces untied and him showing me how to tie them. No way! There so you there go, you go. Cormac, you're out. <laughs> Dead out. and gone. God you were damn sure it. of that one, yeah. So Johnny Logan taught you how to tie your laces? Yep. That's Weird. pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Pretty okay. cool, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty cool and very random. Sorry, mm. and who did you say your old lad was? Um, he played a character called Forty Coats, a kid's TV character. Yeah. He was also on The Live Mike, which is a show of Mike Murphy and Dermot Morgan, Father Ted. No way. Twink, yeah, so so uh, he's yeah, he, he was uh, he was my inspiration. Now now I'm trying to follow him. Nice. I've only gone as far as the Johnny Logan shoelace thing, and now I have a debut single out. So I'm getting there. You know, you're getting hopefully. there, yeah. Yeah, you're on F104. Yeah. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
Exactly. Job yeah. done. Uh, <laughs> okay, so that leaves the car story on yep. Dermot Kennedy. Did you open for Dermot Kennedy before he was famous? I suppose you might as well reveal. And Jared's still in the game here now, but um, let us know which story is is <laughs> absolutely what story isn't true, Andy. What story isn't true? I did open for Dermot Kennedy and I did film a scene in my music video where I got run over a car, but it was fake. Uh, oh, thank God well for done, that. Sir. It is oh, a well fake story. <sighs> Don't Yay. be kind, Jared. You can give her a bit of grief here no, now. You know, it's fine. I have failed the last two weeks in a row, you so did, it's yeah. nice to come out on top again. And plus, I'm glad you recorded your music video safely. Um, yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. Job you done. Know, safety first, always. Uh, Andy, Before hang on there a second. We're talking about slow camera moves <laughs> back and forth. Ah, it'll be fine. Uh, Jerry, listen, thanks a million for popping on, all right? And uh, tell herself we said hello and that she should buy you something nice for being your taxi man. <laughs> I will do. Have a good night. <laughs> you too, sir. Thanks for popping on. All right, see Take you. Take um, Okay, so the the thing was fake. When when and where did you open for Dermot Kennedy? That's uh, that's pretty cool. It was many, many years ago and he was in a, he was the lead singer of a band called Shadow of the Sun. Um, a few, few of whom I, I kind of went to college with him, would have been friends with, and uh, his current drummer, Michal Quinn, was, was his drummer back in the day as well. So, uh, so yeah, I was in college with Michal and, and uh, a few of the few of the guys from the band, and they, they asked me one day would I would I play support for them playing in the Odessa Club, um, opposite the Stag's Head. So, so yeah, I did a little set to open up for them, um, and I was uh, I was kind of nervous, but then they played an, an amazing gig afterwards. So, so yeah, I. He was he was one of those performers. He, you know, you always knew, you always knew he was going to be. Ah, uh, stop! You yeah. said that you said you seen him busking. Was it? I saw him on Grafton Street, yeah. and he had a blue sign down by yeah. his feet. And I was waiting for the lads. You used to meet for lunch, or whatever. And I was walking down waiting for them. And it was one of those people where you had to go back and actually take a picture of the sign. The name because this lad is ridiculous, like ridiculously good. Um, yeah. And you could just tell, like he was doing covers back then, Ed Sheeran songs. And then I know he deliberately stopped doing them because he was like, you don't want to be known for covers. You got to write your own stuff. But mm. now he's phenomenal, yeah. But um. Yeah. Listen, man, thanks a million for popping on, all right? Uh, fooled me anyway. No Saoirse won. Um, you get a beer, Matt, Saoirse. Well <laughs> Yay! done. Uh, the single is called Alive. You can go check it out on YouTube and Spotify and all the usual places where you get your music from. Best place to find you, Andy, online as well is? Is Instagram, Facebook, all um, Andy Dempsey official. So check me out there. Very best of luck with the new music video. Very best of luck with the music. Very best of luck with the gig. And thanks a million for popping on, all right? And we'll chat to you again soon. Cheers. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. No worries. Bye, 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 bye. I'm Andy Dempsey, folks. Go uh, support another uh, Irish Dublin-based, Blanche-based uh, musician as well. So, um, yeah, do that. On the way next, very excited for this interview because we're going to be speaking to a gentleman who went from trading millions of euro and dollars worth of stocks, becoming financially free and independent and a millionaire and said, you know what I need to do now? Start selling ecstasy and becoming one of America's biggest um drug dealers and drug traffickers. He wound up in prison and now wants to share his message of how he was working with cartels, how he got protection from New Mexican drug gangs. Crazy story. Uh, Sean Atwood is his name and he'll be on to explain a little bit more about the insane life that he lived that landed him in jail in one of America's most dangerous prisons. He's on the way next. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. FM 104. It's Cormac and Saoirse here. Now how do you go from 
having your kind of first college entry level job to in a couple of years making a huge amount of money, enough money in your job, you know, trading stocks that you can pretty much retire and then take things up another notch to where you wind up selling ecstasy and then get involved with New Mexican mafia cartels to winding up in prison. Well, one man has had that life. It's it's a crazy story and you would never believe some of the things that have happened have happened. But he joins us now to talk about his story of I don't know, rags to riches. Maybe it's back to rags again. Who knows? But Sean Atwood, sir, thanks a million for popping on. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I am delighted for this opportunity. Yeah, we're very, very intrigued. Uh, you've had an interesting and amazing life so far. Can you just take us back to where it all kind of started, I guess? Yeah, if you've ever been to the northwest of England, I'm from a little town called Widnes, a chemical manufacturing town. So I didn't grow up with much money, but I got interested in the stock market at a young age. So at 14, I chose economics. And there was only about six of us in my high school. And the teacher, Mr. Dillon, saw I had an aptitude for it. So he started to give me classes on my own. And then I set this goal. I'm going to go to America and make a million by the age of 30. I'd watched that movie, Wall Street. So I thought the meaning of life was making money. On that path, because I know you, you, you got a job working in, in the stock market. So did you leave up and leave the UK and head over to the States and start the career there? Yes. After doing business studies at Liverpool University, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona in 1991. I had two aunts out there, actually, and they really helped me establish myself there. And I got a job as a stockbroker. And then you obviously made a lot of money very quickly. Well, no. In the first couple of years, I was living off cheese on toast and bananas. <laughs> I fell into the hands of a penny stock brokerage. And if you've seen that mo- movie, Wolf of Wall Street, mm. it was literally, you had to have a mirror on your desk, smiling brokers make the most money. We had like 24 foot curly cords, pacing brokers make the most money. We had these like military style sales meetings at six in the morning with these drill instructor Italian mafia um, looking types. And they were just yelling at us, you are only as big as these numbers on this board for the month. Lunches for wimps. When you take a lunch, other brokers are calling your clients. It was just like Wolf of Wall Street. And I was thrown into this straight out of uni, broke just not in cocaine and crystal meth off the desktops. They were going out, you know, striptease dancers were coming in limos. So I'm thinking, is this how adults behave in the business world? <laughs> yeah, and that was just getting started. <laughs> well, so, so, so the first two years, I'm living off my student credit cards. It was commission only. But five years in, I'm the top guy in the office, grossing half a million a year. At this point, I've got my own office, secretary, call callers. But I'm sick of coming in at six in the morning and you know working hard all day long. So I abandon my slow and steady progress, quit being a stockbroker, and start to invest money into the rave scene. And that was a very fateful decision that led to me spending six years inside America's toughest jails. So yeah, then the transition across you started, because I know you mentioned in other interviews you've done that you invested a bit of money in the stock market as well, and, and you were pretty much financially free or financially independent and could have retired by the time you were before 30. But then what was the decision to do that and then move into... My best mate from childhood, Wildman, he came over to America and we started throwing house parties out of his apartment in Tempe, Arizona. And this was an eclectic mix of people. 
from gang members to Native American transvestite sex workers to Italian mafia, Russian mafia. And this is where I met a lot of characters that led to the criminal connections that ended up forming the ecstasy enterprise. If you are going to go down that road, you've got to have protection. And I ended up getting introduced to the New Mexico Mafia by a guy called G-Dog, who had attended one of these parties. So we were all chilling out, listening to some rave music. People were smoking weed. And this guy shows up, ruggedly handsome, Mexican-American guy, darker. He's got prison tattoos. He's got some chains on. And he's providing the weed and the coke. I'm providing the ecstasy. So we started to talk to each other. A cop walks in. He says, I could smell weed from outside. Nobody move. And he goes to grab his radio like he's going to call in and have us all arrested. So we all run off into the night. Now, I've never seen anything this heavy before. So I'm terrified. In this apartment complex, Rancho Marietta, there are multiple apartments of people that we know or we're working with. So we go and hide in one of those. It's owned by a guy called Fish. So Fish was terrified. He's like, the cops are going to come. We need to flush all our drugs. We're all going to jail. And the next thing we hear, bam, 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 on the French window. We open it and it's G-Dog. He's like, let me in, let me in. So we let him in and he schooled us. He's like, turn off the lights, turn off the TV. Nobody make a sound. If they knock on the door, don't answer. They couldn't have got a warrant that fast. They don't, too many people ran into the night. They don't know where we've all gone. So we sat there, the cops knocked. We were shitting ourselves. They went next door. They carried on. At the end of the night, I said to G-Dog, look, I've got a property in Phoenix. You're too hot in this area. Let's go over there. I took him over there. And at the end of the night, he said, Sean, for protecting me, me and my brothers have got your back. I had no idea what that meant. A few months later, he says, one of my brothers wants to meet you. We go over to this house in Tempe. They've got all those low-rider showcase cars on the road outside. So I go into the living room, and there's all these massive Mexican-American guys with equally mean faces. And I'm looking around the room. They've got weighing scales, like slabs of coke, crystal meth, weapons. But I do a double take when I see the TV. It's the biggest TV I've ever seen in my life. I thought, hold on a minute. That's not an ornament on top of the TV. I've seen one of them before. They had a rocket propel grenade launcher on top of the TV. And that's how I ended up getting protected by the New Mexican Mafia. And I had no idea who they were until the night they all got arrested, which was about two years later. People on the street guiding traffic with light ones, like you see people land airplanes with. We pull up to the house and a federal SWAT team is bringing all those guys out I'd been doing business with for a couple of years in handcuffs. And they were headline news that night. The most powerful, dangerous criminal organization in Arizona at that time. They've been assassinating witnesses, tried to assassinate cops, judges. They'd even tried to assassinate the head of the Arizona Department of Corrections, the prison system. Did you ever take a step back and go, how am I in this? What's weird is I've got anxiety and I'm a shy person. So I started to take ecstasy when the rave scene began in the UK. And I went to the extreme opposite of becoming this complete party animal, completely scrambled my decision-making processes. And I surrounded myself with equally crazy people who were all reinforcing each other's insane behavior. There was no one to put the brakes on. And we were joking. We're like characters in a movie, like, you know, Pulp Fiction or something. We're above the law. We're never going to get caught. But we were gravely mistaken. And once that cloud lifted out of my head, after the SWAT team came, the cloud of drugs of over 10 years of use, and I look back on my life, 
I was like, how on earth are you still alive? And just to balance that out, I don't want to glamorize this because I work in drugs education now. Before the pandemic, I was doing over 100 talks a year across the country to schools. And I go in and scare the living daylights out of school kids with what happened to me in the jail in the hope they won't get involved in drugs and crime. Backtrack a little bit before we talk about, you know, when it all came crashing down. At your peak, how big, how much drugs were you dealing like? So my competitor at the peak was Sammy the Bull Gravano, the underboss of the Gambino crime family who'd murdered almost two dozen people. One newspaper reported that he was a flash in the pan because he'd only been doing it for a year or so. I've been doing it since 97, SWAT team came, 2002. But I'd, I'd quit the importation a year before. So I've been doing it for about four years. And the cop said it was a multi-million dollar international drug trafficking ring. Yeah, you know, I had about 200 people working for me. I had a million dollar house on the side of a mountain and properties all over the place, cars all over the place. I'd fly people from the UK, put properties and cars in their names so that if the cops ever came, it would be untraceable. And I think at the peak of it, uh, my bills were about thirty to $40,000 a month. And then it all did come crashing down. These things never end well. If you've watched Casino or Goodfellas or Scarface or any movie that has involved drug trafficking and gangsters, and I'm not a gangster, I was a nerd who had gangsteritis, but it never ends well. So what happened was I'd met a woman, fallen in love, said, look, this is so dangerous. If you love me, you would stop. And I did. I stopped a year before the SWAT team came. I thought I got away with it. So May 16th, 2002, I'm in my apartment in Scottsdale um, with my girlfriend and I'm back to like trading in the stock market. I'm doing a Spanish class at the local community college. I think I'm going to live happily ever after. I get up, I'm on my computer and then bam, 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 open the door. I'm thinking, Right, is this really the cops or is it someone pretending to be the cops? Come to rob me. So I run to the window. The whole complex is completely surrounded. There's boots thudding up the stairs outside. 10P Police Department, we have a warrant. Open the door. I run through to the bedroom to my girlfriend. We look at each other like, what should we do? All right, better let them in. Get halfway through the living room and then just boom. Door just flies off the hinges. And then you see him come in and it's like, Everything slows down. It's probably just seconds. And the detective, who I later learned from the police reports was my nemesis, said, <laughs> English, Sean, you're a big name from the rave scene. We finally got you. And that was that. But, but what, what led to, to them getting a warrant on you? Like, how did they find out a year, let's say, after you'd stopped doing it, that you were the, the person they were after? Or? Oh, they'd been following me from the very beginning. Ten witnesses had come forward and given them information about the operation. And they tried to infiltrate us with undercover cops. But we saw them coming a mile away. They'd be older people from out of state saying, yeah, you know, we need a thousand pills or something. So what I'd done was... In the very beginning of the rave scene in Arizona, there were lots of different competing cliques. And Wildman and myself would mediate the disputes between the cliques. And then we would incorporate those cliques into our enterprise. So we had all the locals working with us. So anything that was going on at the ground level, like strangers trying to infiltrate the scene, that would be reported to me immediately. So that's why the cops said in the petition to get the wiretap, you know, we've tried all conventional methods, so we, we need to get a wiretap. It's the only way we're going to get these people. And then you spent how long in jail itself? Okay, so I was facing a maximum 200-year sentence. Ooh. I fought the case for 26 months. Serious drug offender status was filed on me right away, which carries 25 to life. I had 10 charges. 
And then because I wouldn't sign a plea bargain and I, I tried to get my bail reduced, I had a hearing about a year or so in and my bail got doubled to $1.5 million. My charges got doubled uh, to 20 plus each carrying 10 year maximum, which made it 200 years if I went to trial. And I got moved to the maximum security Madison Street jail, which was infested with cockroaches. Um, So my first 26 months, I'm unsentenced on remand. Then the balance of the six, I'm in the Arizona Department of Corrections. But throughout the system, it's all completely gang controlled. I I did all right for the first 26 months. I, I never got attacked while I was in that jail, but I did get attacked later on. Yeah, was it a bad beating? What happened was I got moved to a prison where I didn't know anybody. And my cellmate that they put me in with, the guards decided to play a prank. And the guy they put me in with was a serial home invader, torturer. So he was an old con who wanted another con in with him, not a fresh fish. A fresh fish is someone new to the prison. So as soon as I arrive, he's like, I've got a padlock in a sock. I can smash your brains in while you sleep. I can kill you whenever I want. He didn't like me from the get-go. Now, he got his mate, this um, biker gang member, to attack me just when my parents had flown 5,000 miles to visit me for Christmas. So I have no idea this has been planned. The two things you look forward to the most in prison are your visits and your mail. I'm walking to the visitation area, happy as can be. Big guy sneaks up behind me, bam, 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 starts kidney punching. All the prisoners stop to see my reaction because the gang rule is, you must hit back if anyone hits you. Otherwise, the whole gang will attack you on the spot. So I start throwing some kicks and punches. It was like hitting a big bag of cement. Plus, this guy was trained in kickboxing. So he smashed me up, knocked me down. I end up going to the visit all injured. Mum asked me what's wrong, and I can't say because she's already had a nervous breakdown of my situation. So two things happen when you go in. They do a charge check, and they do a heart check. And if you don't throw punches, you're considered a weakie. Absolutely grim. But while you were in there, because I know you, you mentioned, obviously, now you're out the other side of it, and you look back kind of going, right, maybe that wasn't the best uh, life decisions that I ever made. What are you doing now? And, you know, when you look back on it, what are your thoughts? So when I got out, um, so many great people helped me get my book published. My Life Story is a trilogy. And also get my YouTube channel established. So now I use this big platform I've got to interview other people and help get their stories out. I've got a true crime podcast. We've interviewed hundreds of people now. And we've really been able to make a difference in people's lives. One guy, he was he served 34 years in California prison for a crime he hadn't committed. Found out as a baby he'd been sold. He was born on the Isle of Man and sold to a wealthy American family. So ended up deported back to London where he didn't know anybody. We took him out to the Isle of Man. He, he met people out there. They loved him. And it's helped turn his life around. But we've expanded from interviewing just ex-prisoners to victims of crime. I'm not making excuses for what I did either. I brought drugs into the country. I was a trafficker and I deserved my punishment. And I, you know, I went through it. I did my time and tried to turn it into the educational opportunity of a lifetime. I do a lot of yoga and meditation and I hope by using my platform now to raise awareness and to help people get their stories out and restoring my own karma. Well, it's a fascinating story. Uh, For anybody who doesn't know anything about it and wants to go and look at your stuff where can they find you yeah so my youtube channel is just under my name sean atwood s-h-a-u-n-a-t-t wood and all my books are on amazon i've got 15 books out now they're on amazon worldwide i'm sure it'll be an interesting read but sean thanks a million for popping on uh, the show for play to you for for turning your life around obviously sharing uh, sharing your story and trying to dissuade people from going down that path but it's been a pleasure thanks again for popping on fm 104 
You're listening to the Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM 104. It's a fantastic prize. If you've ever dreamt about having your own private pub in your back garden, that's exactly what we want to do. We want to install a beautiful snug pub in your back garden. All you need to do is figure out what celebrity we are on about. Now, we already gave away our final place this evening here on the show. It's been going on since Ben's show. No one had got it on Ben's tires, but they finally got it on ours. Uh, but the lads will be picking an entirely new famous person slash celebrity. And all you need to do is figure out who it is to be in with the chance of getting yourself in the draw on Friday. So we have the person that they're going to be talking about tomorrow morning. Yeah, we've got the person. <clears throat> now, quite a well-known person. Very well-known. Yeah. Very well known. How how can we give this clue away without giving it away too much? Um. Because <laughs> uh, um. like anything you say, if you say the thing they're known for, people will probably get it fairly quickly. True, but you could say something like her daughter has a very famous godmother. Her daughter. Uh, her, oh. her daughter has a very famous godmother. Oh. Like like herself, you know. She's famous, and her daughter's godfather's. Okay. Famous. Oh, that, 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 that's a difficult one. Well, first and foremost, you know, it's it's a woman. It is a woman. It's yeah. female, so you got that out. A female celebrity, mm. and her daughter has a incredible. I would say her daughter's. Godmother is more famous than this person that we're on about. Yeah. 100%. I wouldn't say 100%, but yeah. Yeah, she will be. All right, so there you go. It's a her. You definitely know them. And their daughter has an incredibly famous godmother. Yeah. If that makes sense. So she's incredibly famous. She has a daughter. Yeah. Her daughter has a very famous godmother. Yeah. Listen, you know what? If you want to ask us some yes-no questions while we're here this evening before we go, send them on in and we can do our best to maybe <laughs> give you some clues and give you the heads up on Jim Jim and Nobby in the morning. But there you go. It's a her famous person. She is a famous person and her daughter has an incredibly famous godmother. Mm. I would argue more famous than the person we're on about. But but still, uh, there you go. That's your clue for the morning. If you want to ask us a couple of questions during the evening, we might answer them. You can drop them into 0876797104. But there you go. Jim Jim and I'll be giving you the next chance here on the station to get in that draw for your own pub in your back garden. Pub in your details, 0876797104. If you want to throw yourself in for a guess in the morning. Here's Drake, one dance, 104. You're listening to the Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM 104. You know you want to. Again, sad news this evening, and it turns out that we have not made the final of the Eurovision this weekend. Devastating. I'm going to go home. I'm going to be sobbing. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> sobbing. I will. <laughs> we will be sobbing. Don't think I can come into work tomorrow, actually. We'll be sobbing so much. Um, <laughs> Leslie Roy, who was representing Ireland in the first semi-final, which took place this evening, unfortunately did not get the votes. I'm not sure exactly how the votes work. I'm not sure if you even care. But I suppose it would have been nice. It would have been something to look forward to. So who do we vote for whoever we want, is it? I'm not sure how the semi-finals work. And to be honest with you, I don't like the fact that they have semi-finals. I think they're dragging it out a bit much. Well, what if people just don't like the Irish? But like, if you're in Europe, you're in Europe. You get into the Eurovision Song Contest. You yeah. shouldn't be making a, you know... Song and dance better. 
shouldn't be. Yeah, of all the things in the world to make a song and dance out of the Eurovision is allowed to do what it wants. So yeah, it was on this evening. I don't know if it's as popular as it was back in the day, but we didn't get through, unfortunately. Leslie Roy, who was representing us, didn't get the votes. I don't know how you voted. You had to download an app and then vote via an app and mm. just chaos. So maybe it's a little bit difficult, but ah, another year. And we were looking forward to this the whole year. I know. Just to be let down like this. I know. Listen, it'll be on the weekend. I'm not sure if you're going to... Bring, I mean, du- bring Dustin back. Dustin I, I wasn't a fan, but bring him back. Du- du- Dustin and Jedward for some this like uh, medley would be a bit of crack. Uh, anyway, that's the news this evening. Uh, on the way next, Control... Alt-Delete, it's today's Tech Today, a quick roundup of the latest goings-on in the whole world of science and tech and mad stuff. A few interesting stories this evening. We'll have a quick chat about what's going on at the HSE and about um, brain implants and monkeys. That's on the way next year in F104. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.